Well, we're on the fourth Sunday of Advent, and tonight will be, in a sense, uh, the fifth celebration of uh, Advent as we culminate in the entry of the Christ child into our world. And so if you just want to think about how it's tracking, that's where we're at. And it would appear that if you look at the pink candle, which is sort of like the candle of, um, you're probably thinking, well, why, why is it pink, Pastor, instead of purple? Did they run out of purple ones? No, it, it actually is sort of like a reprieve that you've got this moment where uh, there is an element of joy in some traditions that it's been so, so, uh, so dark leading up to that, thinking about how uh, the darkness of our humanity, the darkness of 400 years of silence between the time of the last Old Testament prophet and uh, Jesus whenever he came into the world. Uh, there is definitely an element of darkness that comes into play, and it's a way of sort of pulling us out of that. And I was talking to my wife uh, a few days ago about this time of year and how there, there seems to be an interesting contrast between darkness and light when it comes to, of all things, one of the things that she enjoys doing, and I'm sure that no other females in here uh, do, and that's shopping. And I said, what is the darkest shopping day of the year? And uh, she is pretty quick to say, well, there's no question, it's Black Friday. And then I remembered all of the stories about the things that we needed from Toys R Us, you know, that people would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning back in the day whenever it was, you know, normal to get up early. And Black Friday kind of meant something in that regard. And there was either a Tickle Me Elmo or there was a dollhouse or there was something that was on sale that there was a limited number of and there would be strategies about how you'd posture yourself in line, how you would uh, make the route that was necessary that was the quickest to the place that uh, contained uh, whatever limited amount of Christmas kid gift that you're coveting. And all of the bad behavior that happened in the line and that happened in the event of grabbing that stuff. And I said, yeah, I kind of get that that is probably pretty dark and it definitely does not bring out the best side of our humanity. Then I said, what is the, from when it comes to shopping, what is the, the, the best time to go shopping? And she said, hands down, right around Christmas Eve. People, believe it or not, she said, are friendly, they're open, they're fun to talk to, strangers will tell you their life story. I mean, it's almost like there's this different spirit or a different set of directives. Like on Black Friday, the way you're supposed to behave is like a, a, a person that is trying to obtain the most scarce item on the planet. And if you don't get it, it's life and death. And then on the other hand, on Christmas season, as uh, it culminates on Christmas Eve, if you think about how people are out there and all of a sudden, in the back of their mind, they're saying, I'm supposed to be joyful, I'm supposed to be happy, I'm supposed to be giving, I'm supposed to be friendly. And people respond to that as well. And I think in a lot of ways, just how our culture behaves towards this season captures the substance of what this season is really all about. How darkness uh, has overshadowed our lives. And Isaiah said the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And then when Jesus came, we know that the light 
has ultimately arrived in the best form possible. And um, today as we celebrate the fourth Sunday and we think about how the ghost of Christmas future plays into the Dickens story and then how we can expand on that thought into the very gospel itself when we think about Jesus as a good news. Um, we know that somewhere in the future uh, the candle's already been lit so we can enjoy that. And now uh, as we look at that final scene uh, of all of the ghosts that have lined up to help Ebenezer Scrooge come to his senses, um, we see this stark reality that he has to come to terms with. I'm going to show it from the 1984 version of A Christmas Carol with um, uh, George C. Scott. Before I draw near to that stone, answer me this. Are the things you have shown me the shadows of the things that will be? Are they the shadows of the things that may be only?
So a quick question. What would you do if you're walking around in a cemetery and you saw a tombstone that had your name on it? And not only did it have a birth date, but it also had an ending date. And you're looking at that and you're thinking, wow, that dash in between those two numbers was the period of time that I was called to live here on earth. And probably a lot of us, if we were to see that image in some way, we might be thinking to ourselves, man, I have a few regrets. I have some things I would have probably have done different had I had the time. I have some people that I probably would have either been kinder to or I would have asked their forgiveness or I would have tried to reconcile. I have some things with God that I need to sort out and the list probably just goes on and on and on. And the reason why we've called our attention to this, this story, the, the Christmas story based on Charles Dickens, uh, not only is it perennial, like after uh, 100, and, and, and 100 and almost 75 years, Uh, It's reminding us something about our own humanity. And that is, as we look at the life of Ebenezer Scrooge, we see a fellow whose life was premised on one of two things I think God has called us to do. And that is, we are either givers or we're takers. And his whole life was postured around taking everything that he could get. And what it created in him was a subhuman way of existing. And by the mercy of of God, if you were to look at the story through that divine lens, which I think he has in the backdrop of, of telling of the story, he offered some messengers who would show him his place place marks in time as you look at that dash, the past, the present, and the future, to remind him of the way things were, the way things are, and the way things could possibly be and it's almost an act of grace that he's shown all of this timeline of his own life unfolding in a way that gives him a sense of perspective that he didn't have before now I know all of us if we were to go back in time we'd say yeah I have made mistakes I'd like to have a do-over and surely if God gave me the opportunity and I had to go through those circumstances again, I would do it differently. I want to I let you know something, that the thing that God has given us, and not only giving us the gift of his son, he's given us the grace that we need to be able to handle the pain of those images of what we should have done or what we could have done or what we did do that, that perhaps was harmful to other people or to ourselves. And that grace makes it all possible. But in the story, as we go back to it, we see actually four ghosts. The first one being his business partner who had chains that were of all the things that he spent his life accumulating. And they became uh, his, 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 his captivating um, uh, uh, restraints. And then we see an image of him as a kid getting hurt. And as, as, as a younger person thinking about getting married, finding that he wasn't quite secure enough to do even that. And then ultimately just pursuing, taking as much as he could because it is a fearful and dangerous world. And as I'm looking at him in that place, I'm thinking that's, that's us, isn't it? We're constantly told that we should be afraid. We should be worried about 
the markets, we should be worried about jobs, we should be worried about this and that and the other thing. And then the other side of it is there are those of us who early on in life or maybe somewhere in between something happened to us. Uh, Maybe a parent said something that discouraged us or maybe a person told us something that demoralized us. Perhaps somebody did something abusive to, to us or exploitative. And the list of pains that we have just go on and on and on. Now the whole story as the three ghosts are presented are actually a way of helping you and I to maybe grow, to maybe change, to maybe be transformed. I think we live in a culture right now that is thriving on being distracted. You can be distracted through digital media. You can be distracted through activities. You can be distracted through a number of things. And one of the things I think that we have in common with Ebenezer Scrooge is we have some stuff from the past that is always there. And sometimes it's even an elephant in the room. But at least if I'm distracted, I don't have to think about it. And then we have things that happen in the present that we try to be present, but we're so distracted by the past, we can't. And then we have things that have happen to do with the future, and we think, if only the future would turn out good. If I just knew that it was going to be okay, I wouldn't be so obsessed and worried about things that are yet to come. And what the story actually tells us is that we all have a relationship to our past, to the moment, and to the future. But because our lives can be pretty jacked up by living in a broken world, by having broken relationships, painful memories, uncertainties about the future, we just don't really live life like we're called to live. And Ebenezer Scrooge, it's an interesting name because on the one hand, Scrooge means to squeeze, that is to grab, to take, to, 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 to consume, and to have. But then there's that name Ebenezer, which means stone of my help. It is a reflective of a passage from 1 Samuel 7.12, where it basically says, God is my help. And if anything, I want you to know that this morning. God is looking at each of our lives and he's saying, I love you the, just as you are, but I love you too much to let you stay there. I want to I bring you into a better place in your understanding of your life. I want you to one day look at that gravestone, which will be yours, and look at that dash in between and say, by the grace of God, I was able to live a good life. Ebenezer Scrooge, in encountering the ghost of Christmas future, didn't hear anything that the ghost said because the ghost didn't need to say anything. All he had to do was show him the outcome of his life. What was the outcome? Well, the first scene is there are some businessmen who are used to associating with Ebenezer Scrooge And they see that there's going to be a funeral. And it's a notification that it's a businessman. And we're not apprised as to who it is at the time. 
but clearly it's Ebenezer Scrooge. And as the business people are talking about Ebenezer Scrooge, they're kind of making fun of the funeral. Because essentially they're saying it doesn't really matter because no one's going to be there anyway because he never did anything to make any difference in another person's life to begin with. And so his image of other people talking about his death was not very flattering. And then the next scene is a body that is laying and covered in the form of a corpse. And there are people around there stealing the curtains and the clothing and everything that is left. And then taking them to the pawn shop and capitalizing on the death of somebody that no one cares about. And then the next scene, like you just saw, as he's connecting all of these dots, it becomes evident that the dead person, that the ghost of Christmas future is showcasing happens to be him. And you let that set in for a second, you start to think, what will it be like whenever I'm gone? Will anybody care? Will anybody notice? Will people just take what's left over, fight over it, and be more concerned about the value of the material substance that's left rather than the value of the life that has just departed? And all of those things, as God looks at us, are reminders that God says, there's a better way. But the problem is, like so many of us, Ebenezer Scrooge is in a lot of ways the embodiment of ourselves. We can be fearful. We can be hurt. We can have regrets about not maybe getting married or whatever the case was that continued to diminish his sense of purpose here on earth. We could look in the past and we could say, you know, I just wish I had a do-over. And as God is looking at your life and mine, he's saying it doesn't have to be that way. And you don't have to go through four ghosts to tell you about your past, present, and future or have somebody from the past say, you better change your ways or these chains are going to take you down to hell. What God said was, I want to show you something. I want to give you an epiphany. You know what an epiphany is? It's like you're sitting there sort of in a stupor, and then all of a sudden, the picture just becomes very clear. And shortly after Christmas, in the, in the traditional Christian calendar, uh, just in the first part of January, is the day of epiphany. It is a day of us coming to an awareness of all the things that we've been talking about during Advent, all of a sudden, oh yeah, that's what that means. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul wrote these words. It said, let each of you look not to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have the mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was uh, in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And what Paul has just summarized for you and I is an epiphany. It is God's way of saying if you want to get a perspective on how you should live your life, look no farther than the face of the Son of God himself, Jesus. And as you look at Jesus, you see something. He took the interests of other people and he put them first. He embodied the very presence of God. And people will say, uh, as they write about Jesus later on, like in the book of Hebrews, that if you want to see the face of God, look no farther than the face of Jesus. And a lot of us, I know, have a lot of confusion, misunderstanding, perhaps uncertainty about who God is. And if you really want to know, just read the New Testament. Read about the life of Jesus. Read about the way that he challenged people that were caught up in greed, challenged people that were dealing with pain, challenged people that were thinking only of themselves, challenged the Ebenezer Scrooges of the world. And when he did that, some people came to their senses because they had an epiphany. They didn't need the ghost from the past to tell them. They just needed the face of God to speak directly into their world and say, you need to change. You need to get right with the Lord. You need to humble yourself. You need to start treating other people better. You need to take your pain from your past to the cross and let God have it. You need to take the relationship that you have with the past and you need to reframe it so that when you look to the past, you can say, yeah, I've done a lot of things I'm not happy with. But by the blood of Jesus and the grace of God, I know I'm forgiven. You need to look at this very moment and you need to say, God gives you and I a lot of gifts. But the gift of this moment with God in the center of this moment is one of the richest gifts of all. And some of us may or may not have God in the center of this moment. And then you need to take your relationship to the future and you need to say, when that time comes and people are walking around in the cemetery and they see my name with a date where I was born and a date where it all concluded and they look at that dash, they can say, that person, I know he or she had hope. And I wonder, is your relationship to the future centered on fear, scarcity, uncertainty? Or maybe you're thinking, I don't think about the future because it's too scary or I'm just not ready to go there. And the reality is God says, I have designed you 
unlike all the other animals on the planet, you have this ability to live in the past, to live in the moment, and to live in the future. But the problem is, in so many ways, it's scary trying to relate to all three. And when Jesus came at a particular moment in time, he said, your past is forgiven. I am with you in the moment. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And the future that you have is centered on a promise that if I go to be at the side of the Father, I will come again and I will retrieve you. So where I go, you may go with me also. And I don't know about you, but I can go to bed at night as a believer and find a very restful period of sleep waiting for me because of the relationship that I have with my past through Jesus, the relationship that I have through the moment through Jesus, and the relationship that I have regarding the future, which I have no idea what it's going to be, because Jesus is already there. And when all of those things are settled, I truly believe that you can begin to live and live in the way that God designed for us to live to begin with. And the connecting point is the one who says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the one who is and was and is to come. I am Jesus. And what Jesus is telling you and I is that he's not only Lord of the whole world and everything imaginable, but he's Lord of the past, he's Lord of the future, and he's Lord of now. And I wonder, do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Because everything about this message that we're doing in five parts is to bring your attention away from our broken humanity to the foot of the cross to an empty tomb and to a Lord who is now sitting on the throne, King of kings and Lord of lords above all things. Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? And that's where we're going to conclude this message this morning as, um, as we anticipate our gathering tonight. And I would just like to know as God is working in each of your hearts, what it is that he's doing to take you out of those things that are keeping you held captive and to bring you into those things that are bringing you life and peace and love and joy and hope. That's the gift that God has given us this Christmas and every Christmas. And that is the reason, whether it's Black Friday or whether it's Christmas Eve shopping, that is the reason why we can truly be the people that God calls us to be in the spirit that God calls us to live it out. I asked my wife, I said, when you go shopping on Christmas Eve and you're doing the last minute stuff and everybody seems to be in a pretty good frame of mind that you're talking to and you're sort of enjoying that, wouldn't it be cool if every day was like that. People were kind, people were giving, people were thoughtful, people were expressive.
And I have to think that the hope that we carry into the future is a day when every day that we wake up, that we are in the presence of other people, it is the kind of day that says, we are now living in a moment in time that will go on for all eternity, where when we relate to each other, it is in the best way possible. When we relate to the past, it's in the best way possible. The future and end of the moment is in the best way possible because of Jesus. I don't know how to describe it anymore other than to say that when Jesus is in the equation, when he is at the center of your lives, it changes everything. And when he's not, well, we're on our own. And God loves us too much to keep us there. So this morning, your opportunity to be invited into a relationship with him uh, is where I want to bring you to. Whether it is at the conclusion of the service, you want to come forward or right now or go to the studio following. However it is, that's why we're here. To help you to relate to a broken and painful past, to a moment in time that is uncertain, and to a future that is filled with hope.